that middle interview. A unique guitar player we are speaking with today. To me, the inventor of Overkill, at least for the first albums that Overkill recorded in the 80s, of course. We're speaking of the one and only Bobby Gustafson of uh, his new band, Satan's Taint. Well, they've been around since 2014 with two albums. And this guy invented the overkill sound, in my opinion. And he will talk about it in a bit. He'll tell you about uh, the story, what went down with overkill, and a little bit of uh, his current project, Satan's Taint, and his current status in the metal scene. So, uh, without further ado... I leave you with our conversation with the legendary Bobby Gustafson. Enjoy. Bobby, thank you for making time. A pleasure. A pleasure having you on our show. Thank you. Sure. Satan's Taint. Two albums under your belt. The first one named Axe to the Head of My Enemies. And the new one, the latest one called Destruction Ritual, Satan's Taint. Uh, Bobby, how did this band project come about? Um, I guess back in uh, 2014 is when I started it. Uh, just really off on Facebook, just you know, communicating with some of the old fans and you know, making new friends and, and, and stuff over time. They uh, they just were really asking me to uh, to put some music out. And you know, now that things are are changing, you can basically you know make a CD on your own. Uh, you know, I just put some stuff together. Not thinking much of it, but you know, put a few songs out, and uh, it, you know, kind of, kind of took off. So I just sparked my interest a little bit more, and uh, I just continued writing. But it really just all started basically from talking to people on Facebook. Highly recommended. Destruction ritual, badass material from top to bottom, man. Thank you. I noticed some videos online. Were you jamming with uh, Made of Metal? Yeah. Everyone uh, in the area down here, it's, it's we all help each other out if we have to. And I mean, basically, we have a show right now on the 5th that one song, uh, one song, one show fell through, and we didn't have that show. And our singer, Paolo, sings with another band. He, he called us up and said, hey, do you want to you know, play at our show? So he, he sings for Made of Metal. Um, my drummer, Jim, who I've known for, you know, 15 years or so or more down here, was my drummer in response negative. He plays with Made of Metal. And uh, everyone's just kind of friends with, with each other. And uh, they do different uh, themed covers. Like yeah. they'll do a whole band of of Dio or Sabbath or Metallica and, and instead of just being this one cover band they kind of cover everything a little bit so uh, yeah those guys uh, they helped bring me back they had me come they did an overkill show once I think it might have been like 2016 or something 
other drummer will come in and, and stuff. So we all kind of lend a hand to each other here and there. The videos that I've seen, I mean, damn, they sound awesome, man. Blew me out of the water. Yeah, Mike is, uh, Mike was the other guitar player in some yeah. of the videos that we have right now. And Rob, the bass player, he's going to be playing with me at this show. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of a cool idea where if somebody can't make it for whatever reason, like someone else will step in. So it's, it's, it's just, just a weird situation. Nothing I've really uh, seen anybody else really doing, but uh, it, it, it works out really well, so you don't really get stuck with something that you can't do. Oh, yeah, you guys do the overkill stuff real, real good. Yeah, they're, they're very good. Like, like even Paolo will take yeah. on whatever singer he's covering, you know, and he'll, he'll throw yeah. a, a Dio edge or a Halford edge into, you know, the night, whoever they're particularly doing, or even Queensryche or whatever. And uh, they're just, they're really talented guys. There's a lot of really great musicians in, in this area. Yeah, that's one of my questions. That was one of my questions right there. Are the guys from Made of Metal now Satan's Taint? Is that your band now? Um, it's, it's uh, I started out, like, on the first CD, you know, we had, I had more people come and go. I mean, I had, like, three different drummers and, yeah. like, five different singers and three different bass players. Like, you know, yeah. I was basically trying to help out other people that, you know, maybe you're trying to crack into a business and, uh, you know, just give them a way to do it. And, uh, you know, just grab a singer that fits the, the song. But with this last CD that, that just came out, it was more of, I just wanted to get it done and I didn't want to spend the time really showing everybody yeah. the parts and yeah. the bass and everything else. So it, it basically was me and Jim and I did all the guitar and the bass, and then we just had two, you know, two of the singers from the the first uh, CD come in, uh, Paolo and, and Dan, and they're very opposite of each other too. But and they they kind of pick the right songs for themselves as well, so it worked out really good. Nowadays, records albums are made in pieces. Musicians uh, in different cities email each other files and tracks and this and that. How do you feel about this uh, new way of recording, Bobby? Yeah, that's what kind of almost started it off was uh, there was an Italian band called Satanica and they asked me to do a solo. And basically, I mean, I, I was late to the, to the game when it came to the computer and stuff. It took me a while to jump into it. But they had sent the music over for me to record the solo. Yep. And I was just like blown away by that. I'm like, like wow, this is this is real. You know, way of doing things. You don't even, you know, back in the day, you looked for musicians that were in your neighborhood. You tried to find the best yeah. musicians in your neighborhood, and now you can just grab people from all over. And that kind of sparked my interest a little bit more. I said, man, I can just get people from all over to, to lay down a track here and there, and and really put this together. So yeah, that's that's kind of what started it off too I mean I, I, I think it's kind of cool and I like it there's also the old school way of recording with uh, with the whole band in, in one building yeah that's what, I mean we try to we try to do that as much as we can 
can. I mean, you're not, you're laying down the the drums first, yeah. regardless. I mean, everyone lays down that basic track, and then they come in and, and, and you know get rid of the scratch track and put the real track down. So that's why I said, you know, if we can get we can get a, a like a pre-production sort of demo together that has all the tempos, we can jump into the real studio and just pump that through his headphones yep. and he can play to the to the click and it still has that, that live feel to it which which you know really worked out I mean it's as, as close to the old school way of yep. recording that, that we can possibly make it yep. that's, that's, that's when things really have like a vibe and it's not so sterile yeah. and I think a lot, a lot of these younger musicians that just don't have any knowledge of how it used to be done right before and that's why everything just sounds so like flat yeah robotic yeah exactly I've seen an interview somewhere where you mentioned you lived in Austin Texas yeah yeah well, I uh, I was actually in California and the lady who managed uh, Screw mm-hmm. lived out in the Bay Area and that's where I was staying and uh, one of the guitar players in Screw had, had quit or something happened as they were in, in the studio recording. So they needed another guitar player and they asked if I would come in because they, you know, they knew I was at Debbie's house and uh, she sent me out there and I wound up, you know, going out recording in, in El Paso actually. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the band was from Austin and I wound up staying there for about nine months, almost a year. Oh, yeah, wow. I worked at a barbecue place called the Green Mesquite. I don't know if that's even still there. Yeah, I'm in Texas, but uh, about a couple hours from Austin, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was cool. It was a cool little town. I mean, I I liked it. Here's an overkill question. I'm sure you get these a lot. This is something I've been wanting to know for years, man. Um, I think the whole overkill sound completely changed when you left the band. Do you feel you made the overkill sound? Do you feel you are responsible for all that great 80s overkill catalog and style? Um, to me, it's different now. But how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, basically the band was a cover band before I joined. Um, they were out a couple years before me, but they were, they were playing the circuit doing covers. Uh-huh. And actually, when I first joined, that's what I was learning was covers. And I, and I hate it. I mean, I just don't like to do, yeah. you know, cover band stuff. And I'm like, why Why would I practice every day of my life to play somebody else's song? Yeah. And I, I was basically the youngest guy in the band. I think I was 17. <laughs> And those guys are like six years older than me. So I told them, I said, look, I can write songs. I'm like, I don't want to play other people's music. Why don't we become an original band? We actually had two guitar players for on and off for like a month or two. Like no one would stay for some reason until we got fed up and just said, look, let's just keep one. I said, I can handle it. And we did. So then it started to write. And basically, I mean, 99% of those first four albums is, is, is my riffs and my sound yeah. and, and my songs. I mean, it's my feel. I believe you. Toward, yeah, towards, you know, I was the only guitar player. So, I mean, yeah. I, there was no one 
any other influence, then basically the job was left up to me. So that's that's what I did. So once your main songwriter is gone, which is one of the things I presented to Blitz when all that crap was going down, I'm like, you know, if you feel strong enough that, you know, you want to lose your main songwriter after four albums. Yeah. I said, you know, you're not going to be the same. But, you know, him and Dee were yeah. closer friends before, and, you know, they kind of started the band together, so it just took a different route. And I was like, I mean, I, I didn't really listen to much of the stuff they did after me, only, like, once in a while if it was on YouTube, YouTube or it came up on my television on satellite radio that I, that I listened to, but... You know, I, I, that's all I hear from people is that, you know, the band was not the same and the band they fell in love with completely changed and you kind of lose interest. I mean, you can still hear Dee Dee's bass tone and Blitz's unique vocals, but basically the whole sound changed when you exited Overkill. Yeah, I mean, once you lose, I mean, they can have other guitar players come in, but... They don't have my mind and they don't have my thought patterns of, of how a song should be put together and they can't they can play the parts that I play but they can't duplicate really what I what I did. Yeah. Because everyone is just an individual and once that's kinda gone, it, it, it's gone. I play guitar myself. So when I saw you jamming in those videos, you guys were jamming overkill songs with made of metal. I was like, damn. That's the exact, exact guitar sound and feel I would hear on those first Overkill tapes and albums back in the day. I was like, damn, that's exactly the person right there. Um, Hello from the gutter. You know, I'm thinking that's right there. That's the inventor of the Overkill sound, Bobby Gustafson. Right. Yeah, that's that's. I remember Alex uh, Perialis when we were in the studio. He was he was he was explaining that to us like when we were early on when we wanted to look for a sound or to get a sound. He's just like he goes, you could play the same exact guitar through the same exact amp, and you're not going to sound like that other person. Oh. And I've heard other people say that too when they played like on Eddie Van Halen's guitar. They're like. I'm playing his guitar through his amp, and I'm playing one of their songs, and it still just didn't sound like Eddie. It didn't sound right. And it, yeah, it's just it's, it's a personal thing. If I may ask, what really went down with Overkill? Um, what happened there? I mean, it's a, it's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, it's a little bit of a lot of things, but um, I mean, basically, the final fight was. Um, there was a show at Lavore's that that Dee Dee wanted to do for Christmas money, um, and I just didn't see that as being a good idea. Yeah. After we had just sold out the the, the Ritz the Studio Fifty Four in Manhattan, I didn't, and we were going to get ready to do it, which would have been the fifth album. Um, I didn't feel right about doing a show where our last impression yeah. was going to be like you know half overkill half covers half being you know drunk and having a good time and charging people a regular overkill price to get in like you're not seeing an overkill show I said so you know I'm not going to do this I said I don't want any part of that yeah. and then 
you know, I'm hearing other stuff that they were kind of plotting behind my back because we had some money coming in from a merchandise advance. And, you know, it was, it was just a lot of little little things that kind of, like, all built up. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was just getting kind of sick of them not really having much integrity anymore and just using the band for, for nothing but, like, a profit. Really? And, and then, yeah, they just became greedy. And I'm like, you know, I didn't bust my ass getting us bigger and bigger and bigger and having better songs with each album just so you can have Christmas money. It's like, yeah. get a fucking job. Right. Yeah. You know, don't don't use my band to, to do something like that. I, you know, I just didn't agree with them on, like, many levels after, after that. And maybe if we were making money, it would have been a different scenario, but, you know, four albums in, we still really weren't making much money, but then when the finally we were going to make some, which would have been the merchandise advance, they, they kind of found a way to cut me out of it, and they've had, the two of them have pretty much owned the band ever since, and that's, that's what they wanted, so they got it. That's just so sad, man, that happened, you know? Um, wow. As great as you guys sounded. Yeah, it's great. And it's, you know, he, he supposedly was a little upset that he, he didn't have any riffs on The Years of Decay. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, you had a couple riffs on Under the Influence. Yeah. And that was like our least favorite album. And I said, you know, we were getting com- compared to, to Anthrax a lot, I think, on, on I remember in some reviews cool. back in the day. And that bothered me because it was like, it was, his riffs that were doing it so it was a little too happy for me and I was like I'm gonna just do the next album and it wound up being all, all my stuff and uh and it's a, it was darker and it was much heavier just the way I thought we should be going yeah and uh since he couldn't really write anything on it I think he got a little upset when I didn't really listen too much to his new riffs on tour but I don't work on tour. I work when we get home. Yeah. And uh, I think that was another one of his little reasons he brought up to management to be uh, Bernie. So. Yeah. One thing leads to another, then that was that. <laughs> well, now you've got this great, great project, Satan's Taint. Fucking awesome stuff. Yeah, it took, you know, it took me a while to get everything uh, going. I mean, I've tried a couple other different things over the years, but. I just I needed to get myself situated personally before I could really, you know, keep keep writing and think about going on the road. You know, I needed to get a, a house and and, and, yeah. and have somewhere to, you know, call my own before I really did it again. So that's kind of why I may have disappeared for a little while. Um, give us uh the future plans for Satan Stain. Uh, when are you guys hitting the road? When can we expect you guys on the road? to a bunch that were like you know so happy to talk to me on the phone or like oh you know we're a big fan of yours from back in the day I used to listen to you when when I was a kid and you know now they're working at these booking agents but they're like we just have so much stuff right now he goes you know they basically all said the same thing we can't do you really any justice but if you know something changes you know I'll definitely call you back and I just got tired of asking, so, you know, we just, you know, we're hoping that something locally would would break, 
something will happen. I mean, you are Bobby Gustafson, ex-Overkill, now Satan's Taint. You're definitely a heavyweight musically in the metal scene. I didn't think it was going to be that hard to, to, to get on something. I, you know, I understand I got to open. You know, I'm not at that headlining point yet, and I'd much rather just pick the best out of the first two CDs and, and go out and open it. I'm fine with that, but, you know, I just haven't really got any, any offers from anyone. Do you think it's because of the name of the band? Or something else. It could be. I mean, I know the first, the first little uh, riff I got into with uh, a booking agency was over the name, and it was basically them saying something to the CEO of my record label mm-hmm. that I particularly didn't like. And to me, their job is just to book the bands. They make money, we make money, and that's it. It shouldn't be anyone's personal feelings towards a band's name. Uh-huh. You know, a band's name really shouldn't mean that much unless it's, you know, horrific and gross and, and you know. Man, if you want to talk about other more satanic band names, I mean, come on. There's a bunch of those out there. There's I've, I've been ever since, ever since I, you know, I went on the whole name thing, I'm watching, I mean, some names are completely, to yeah. me, they'd be completely stupid, and I would never name my band that. Yeah. <laughs> some people feel like they would never name their band what I named mine, but I've, I've read some that are, you know, there's all sorts of different satanic ones and vulgar ones and, and yeah. whatever, but I mean... To me, I was coming back into the game that I've been out of for a while, and I just didn't want to have any old name that was, yeah. you know, so vanilla, is what I used to call it. It's like a name that's so vanilla that it doesn't offend anybody. I said, yeah. you want to come out to be remembered. Yeah, I agree. You know, I don't want to be for- forgotten. I don't want to have a name that's so basic that it's like, oh, I mean, I see them on Twitter all the time, and I'm like, Maybe I should open a booking agency and get you guys down to Texas at the very least. <laughs> I'd appreciate it. Yeah, I've talked, I've talked to him. I had a guy I was talking to in St. Louis. He's trying to help. I mean, he was actually getting us on this pre-cruise, the 70 tons pre-cruise. Oh, yeah. We were supposed to have a show out on the beach, but they, you know, they didn't have enough, I guess, cash to cover us. So, you know, you know that got blown out. I had a couple other bands. Uh, rectified and was trying to get us you know, to play with them. It's like, oh, we got like nine shows. You want to come out again, and you don't hear from them. And it's you know, you're sitting here, you're you're waiting, trying to get onto something that's going to be worth it because you may not get too many. But you know, you turn around and there's there's nothing. So yeah. it's hard. Man. There's a lot of there's a lot of shows. There's a lot of young bands. There's a lot of bands touring. Yeah. There's a lot of older, older bands are coming back now, so there's just so much money that people can shell out, you know? Yeah. There's, there's like a, 
I'll definitely look into it for sure. Um, here's a different question, Bobby. Um, how was it working with the legendary Dave Lombardo? Um, it, it started out great. I mean, we were we were friends for a long time before that. You know, we always got along on on tour. Yeah. Um, that's back when I was still living up in San Francisco, so I was about a seven hour drive to his house on the weekends because he was like east of LA out in the high desert and uh, I would drive to his house and, and we were you know we were trying to get stuff together at, the, at that point we didn't even have a bass player it was me Dave and a singer so we, we really didn't even get a chance to practice that much and uh, I, I just kept driving down to you know Los Angeles seven hours each way and really not getting anything done so at that point I was just like you know I, I'm, I'm just gonna go I said I drove down once and picked my stuff up and, and that was it I, I'm like I didn't see it ever like coming together yeah so after I left he finally got it, he got it together and he went out and uh you know they made an album or two or three or whatever but uh I mean still still a nice guy I mean I didn't have any personal problems with him but it's just it wasn't happening, so I had to kind of cut ties at that point. Would you like to send uh, your fans a message? Anything you might want to tell your fan base, Satan's Taint uh, fans, um, Overkill fanatics, uh, something you might want to uh, relay a message? Yeah, I mean, if they, you know, if they uh, have a chance and haven't already, check out the, uh, we got the, all the videos up on YouTube. You know, I think there's a, there's a little bite of each, each song that's on the album. Check that out. We did a full video for Desecration. And you can at least get a, get a chance to hear what I did. If you like it, pick it up. And we have uh, we have our own page where we sell the first album at uh, satanstaintmusic.com. And you can get the first album with some CDs there. And uh, just follow the band wherever you can. And, you know, if we get a tour going, we'll definitely make some announcements. Thank you, Bobby. We really appreciate your time. Uh, it's definitely a pleasure on my part. Thank you. Uh, speaking with the legend, a legendary thrash metal legend, of course. Thank you, Bobby. You got it, James. My pleasure. And that was our interview with Bobby Gustafson of Satan's Taint, formerly the guitarist of Overkill. And basically, as we talked about it with him, I believe he is the inventor of oh, the sound of overkill, of course. That's just my opinion. Everybody has opinions, and that's just my opinion. Bobby Gustafson, Satan's Taint. 
Hit them up on their website, satanstaintmusic.com. Um, they got the brand new album entitled Destruction Ritual. There's 12 tracks on there. And by the way, there's a track in there called Skull Crusher 2. If you guys know anything about that title, you guys know what it is. You got to check this out, man. Killer riffs, killer everything. Check it out. Satan's Taint Destruction Ritual. Stream it. Download it. Pick it up. Purchase it. Uh, and of course, they got their first album, X to the Head of My Enemies. Satan's Taint. Um, my name is James. And I want to thank Bobby one more time. Thank you for making time to speak with uh, our podcast and our show, That Metal Interview. Truly an absolute pleasure speaking to this legend thrash legend uh and of course i want to thank all the listeners that um, support us and listen to us thank you for uh checking us out that metal interview podcast and uh, we'll see you on the next episode and don't forget to keep it metal That middle interview.